Good morning. Um, you know, a couple of months ago when Alan and I were looking at this year and flipping the pages over and we started to look at what this, this year would look like, he said to me, would you be open to sharing in January? I was like, no worries. Haha. <laughs> and, um, you know, straight away I felt like God gave me this sentence. And since then I've tried to look into the Bible and I've prayed and I've gone walking and I've done little things to try and get something else. But the same sentence keeps coming back to me that um, God spoke to me way back when he first asked me and that was, I want you to speak to the dry bones. And so this morning uh, my intention is to speak to the dry bones. Um, I want to share a story with you. Um, A few years ago I had got to a stage in my own personal journey where I just felt like I'd come to the end of myself. I was working, happily married, got kids, all of that, and all of that was great. But I just felt like I'd come to the end of myself in as much as, God, where am I going? What am I doing? What's my purpose? How many of you ask that question? What, what am I here for? What is the go? I don't believe it's a question that we ask one off, once off. I feel like as different seasons come and go, we revisit the same question. God, just remind me, where am I going? What am I doing? And you know what? I'm completely convinced that God's okay with that. God's okay with us asking the question. My kids come to me on a regular basis and, and ask me the same question. And you know what? If it's a directional thing, I'm all good because I want you to hit the mark. I want those kids to get exactly where God has for them. So we, I, I think God's okay with us asking the question. So at the grand old age of 40, I embarked on an adventure. A couple of, only just like yesterday, really. But it was a few years ago. But I embarked on a journey and I enrolled myself at university. Now, I came from a family where at that stage, um, no one, when we left school, nobody went to university. University wasn't the thing. It was all about getting a trade. And so what I thought that I would do when I left school is I was going to become a policewoman. And as an only daughter in a family of very strong alpha males, I quickly realised that that wasn't going to happen because Dad thought that that wasn't a girl's job. And so I went and did a hairdressing apprenticeship. And, you know, as I look back and reflect over those decisions, I can see the hand of God because God was um, working and fostering this gift on my life that he had placed there to talk to people and to hear people. I'm telling you, your hairdresser knows more about you than your partner. There's no doubt about it. When husbands would visit me in the salon, I used to blush because I'd be a little bit awkward. I know more about them than you think that I do. But all the while, God was developing this gift on my life that I was unaware that that's what it was. I was not a Christian. But I can certainly see God's hand on my life as I look back. So at 40, I'd come to the end of myself. I could talk to people. I could share with people. But I just felt like I needed something more. And so in talking to Kurt and in praying about it, I felt like God really led me to enrol myself at university and that I wanted to enlarge in my capacity to understand people and to understand how people work, to understand the psyche of people, to understand why society looks the way it did. So to give you context 
being that I was 40, I went to school, there were no computers. Uh, the calculator was the technology. So how, I'm, I'm, so how many of you students who are at uni now know it's all about online stuff? Yes, Felicia, Josiah? It's funky for us old people. We just don't know how those buttons work. So for me to go to uni, it actually meant that first I had to learn a whole new skill set before I even embarked on the content of my course. That was to log on to a computer, true story, without one of my boys standing there going, mum, press this, mum, press that. I had to learn it for myself. I also had to learn a whole new language because there is such a thing called the language of academia. Who knew? And they use words that, well, I don't even know what they mean, but you've just got to learn the language. And I quickly realised that this was a necessity in order for me to have this journey be a success. So if I went to uni, it was probably to this day one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about people. It actually wasn't about the piece of paper. The piece of paper meant nothing to me at the end. It was more about wanting to enlarge in what was already there. In doing my study, it would help me develop a passion that I already had. And what I wanted to do with my life was to walk alongside people and do life with them, to hear their journey, to hear their story, to in some way, shape or form, positively impact the lives of those around me. It's taken me years and years and years, and Alan will testify to this, to accept that this is a gift of God on my life, that I can go and hang the laundry out in, in the backyard and I'll have the neighbour across the road um, pop her head over and she'll just start sharing her life story and we're in tears and we're talking and get to share about the love of God. True story, I can go to the supermarket and I say to Al, I'll be five minutes, keep the engine running. Hour later, Kirchie's coming in looking for me because I just seem to have these situations arise where people just approach and share their story. And it literally took me years to accept that, you know what, this is God. There's a gift of God in there and I need to develop it. I need to nurture it. I need to yield it to him. But there are things that I can do to increase the passion that I had. 2020, here we are, brand new year. I'm excited because... I'm excited to share the first message of Arise with you because I really feel like if your heart is open that God has a word for you this morning. It's a brand new year. It's a year where in front of all of us there's a canvas and there's nothing on the canvas. The one reality in life that I've come to learn is whatever you focus on, that's what you'll hit. I bought this little thing to show you. A few weeks ago this was a canvas and it was blank and it had nothing on it. Yet Luke Brooks, stand up Luke Brooks, you amazing human being. Luke Brooks took um, the gift of God on his life, prayed, got in the word of God, and this is what he created for Alan and I. So it went from a blank You know, this morning as I was getting ready, I just felt like God reminded me of that. Luke, using what he's gifted at, using what he's passionate on, accompanied with God, can develop a masterpiece. And, and no idea has Luke that what that scripture means to Alan and I. But for us, it's a reminder of the call of God upon our life. So you and your gifting and a blank canvas sub yielded to God can create a masterpiece. And that's literally what we have before us today. Years ago, Alan did a defence driving course and 
the one thing that he said when he um, came back from it, I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? But the one thing that um, came that he came back and said to me was um, that the instructor had said to the guys doing it, whatever you focus on, that's what you'll hit. So if you focus ahead and you focus on what the car's in front of you, you'll know what's happening. If you look to the side, to the trees or the poles, that's where your car will end up going. Is that true, Mick, even in a motorbike, whatever you focus on? I can remember hearing him say to the boys as they went on their learners, whatever you focus on, boys, that's what you'll hit. Keep your eyes fixed on the road, know your speed, know where you're going. In 2020, I believe we have two choices. How many of you know that an arrow without a target, you can still shoot it out of the bow and it will land. And for some of us, we can even then go and draw a target around it and then tell everybody we're happy, we're content, life's good, it is what it is. It panned out the way it was meant to. We've all heard that. Well, the alternative is we can pray, we can get a target and then we can focus on that and our arrow has something to hit. The other night we were sitting around the table, the kids and I, And I said to the two of them that still live at home, what are your goals for 2020? What are you thinking? What's the plan? And, you know, there's a bit of neg around New Year's resolutions and let's not do that because they fail. And I hear the spirit of what people say, but I also think the world might call it a resolution, but we in the church can call it a goal. What's your vision for 2020? So essentially what I was saying to the kids, where's your target? What are you aiming for? So when you shoot that arrow, does it have a direction to head in? And it was so exciting to me to hear Chloe, Grace and Jordan share with me what their goal was for 2020 and that thought about it. And some of them were big things, some of them were little things, some were life-changing things. But what I was excited about, past fail or otherwise, is that they had a goal. They'd planned something ahead and so they knew where they were heading. My encouragement to us as a church community today is to leave last year, to leave last decade in yesterday. Nothing about yesterday, nothing about last year can you change. And I know for some of us, it didn't quite go as we'd hoped it would. There were things that happened, there were things that came our way that were hurtful, that were painful, that were just difficult. But let me encourage you, you can't change that now. But before you is a canvas and it's blank. And you and God can create a masterpiece. In Ezekiel, I've been reading that because, you know, God's all about the dry bone thing. And in Ezekiel, there's an interesting story. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel finds himself on the cusp of a valley. And God actually puts him inside the valley. And in that valley is surrounded all of these bones dry, brittle, dismembered bones. Sometimes when we read the passages in scripture, we can kind of blow over what the reality of that must have been like. But if you can imagine, just down here, there's kind of a valley at the end of this road. Imagine if God just said to us individually, I want you to walk down, I want you to get amongst it. So we're not going to look at it just from the top. But I want you to actually get in and I want you to look at the bones. I want you to get in that valley and look around you. There was death, obviously, The bones were brittle, the bones were dismembered, they were no longer in a nice little body, they were all over the shop and this valley was full of them. I just imagine that must have been pretty intense. In verse 3 though, this interesting thing happens. God says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Isn't that an interesting question? 
God, the creator of the universe, says to Ezekiel, whilst he's in this valley of dry bones, can these bones live? Now, some could think God was having a moment and he wasn't certain of how things panned out in the end. I want to suggest to you today that God wasn't asking Ezekiel for his own benefit. God was asking Ezekiel, do you believe? What do you believe about the situation that you find yourself in? You're in a valley full of dry bones, there's death all around you. What do you believe? Do you, Ezekiel, actually believe that this valley of dry bones can come to life again? Essentially, what he was asking is, where's your faith at? So God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Whatever you see on your canvas today, do you believe that you and God can make something live out of that? Is there something about what's written on that canvas in front of you? Do you believe that it can happen? I believe God's asking us this morning, at at the start of a brand new year, can these bones live? Can this thing that's pondering inside of you, this thought that you're having, do you believe that it can live? Then he goes on in verse 4, and God said to Ezekiel, you prophesy to these dry bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. You know, it's interesting, God, the creator of the universe, I think could have done that and it all would have been good to go. But first he asked him, where are you at? Do you have faith? Do you have faith? Do you believe? And then he says to Ezekiel, you prophesy. I can do whatever, but I want you to prophesy. What are you going to do about what you are seeing on your canvas? God spoke to Ezekiel and told him to prophesy, but maybe some of us it's different. Maybe for some of you, like me, you need to upskill yourself. You need to enrol yourself in that course or enrol yourself in Break Free, ladies, or enrol yourself at university. I was 40. I was the old duck in the class, let me tell you. But you know what? It was the most life-changing experience for me. And it has changed how I approach people. It has changed how I access my gift with God. It's changed how I look at my society around me. It's changed how I do church life. One, one action. You prophesy. Maybe for some of you it's to stop saying no to the opportunities that God keeps bringing across your path. Maybe it's time to say no to insecurity, no to inferiority, no to rejection. Maybe it's time for you to prophesy yes over your life, yes. It'll be different for everybody. The lesson, I guess, in Ezekiel's story is his situation was literally impossible. There was absolutely nothing with his natural hands could he do to change the the fact that he was in a valley full of dry, brittle, dismembered bones. But God said, prophesy. Maybe for you, you're thinking your situation is the same. Dead, finished, broken, dismembered, washed up. What is, what is. I'll just keep going the way I am, but whatever happens, happens. I can't get out of debt. I can't do this job anymore. I can't get my family members saved. They're out doing their thing, living crazy lives. It is what it is. I can't get my marriage back. I can't heal my relationships. I can't be healed. I've had this ailment for 30 years. Speak to your bones. You begin to prophesy. Can these bones live? Speak to those impossible situations. You know, for a lot of times I think that words have gotten a really hard gig in church or Christian communities because the word of faith movement was so, well, it was a little bit out there. 
But let me just say something. The creator of the universe spoke and it was. And we're creating the image of God. So as we speak, as we speak the heart of God, prophesy over what God has spoken to you. Prophesy over the things that you're passionate about. Prophesy over the dreams that you've had. And for some of us, they might be dreams and things that God has spoken to us 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Speak to the dry bones. Prophesy. This time last year, um, I found myself in an interesting place. I had a great job. Uh, We were getting ready to go on holidays and I just was not feeling it. I was feeling frustrated internally within myself, frustrated in my workplace, stressing about my future. God, again, hitting one of those seasons. What am I doing? What do you want me to do? What have you called me to? What is the purpose of life? Where should I be, God? I had a great job. I work at the Ramada in Ballina. I've probably got the best bosses I've ever had in my life as employees. They are awesome. They're such great people. I work with really nice people. But you know what? I was restless. I had lost my peace. We went on holidays and I found the same thing. I couldn't relax. I just couldn't settle into the groove. And I said to Al... I'm just struggling. I'm just stressing about when I go back and I was wrestling around with things. Do I leave my job? Do I look for another job? Is that what you want me to do, God? I'm I'm making no difference here. This is pointless. Do I go back to study and further my um, qualifications? What do you want me to do? And Al, as every wise husband does, just calmly and peacefully says to me, you know what? You just need to go and pray. You need to take, you love it, you need to take the morning out and you just need to go and pray. So <laughs> I obeyed as every wife does and went down <laughs> I went down to Broad Beach and I just sat on the beach and just literally let it all out. Told God what I was thinking, what I was struggling with, what I felt anxious about. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, God? And you know what? I felt like God gave this amazing epiphany to me. And he just said, Trust me. Trust me. That's it. I thought, fair income. That's it? <laughs> you created the universe and that's it? Trust me. So here's what I did. I sat on that beach and this is what I said to God. I'm going to be the best employee that the Ramada has ever had. My boss tells me to be there at 8.30. I'm going to be there at 8.15. I clock off at 2.30, I'm going to be still there at 2.45. That guest is ticking me off. I'm going to be so nice to them that they're going to book their next booking before they leave me. I am going to commit to my employers without telling them that I am going to be the best employee that you have. Because here's what I realised. Within that workplace is a mission field that I would otherwise have no access to those people. But I had great bosses, I have great friends that I work with, and that is my mission field. And last year was an interesting year in that God stretched me, God challenged me, God put me in a department that I thought was ridiculous, it wasn't my thing, I didn't want to do it. But you know what? I had the most ridiculous opportunities present to me every single shift. And without an exaggeration, it was every single shift. I would find myself in the back of house and the houseman just happened to be leaving and bawling and he would tell me his story. And you know what? I got to share the love of God. I had a lady present to me at the desk and she had a hat over her 
um, eyes and I couldn't actually see her face but I could hear her sobbing, absolutely sobbing. It was late at night and I said to her, Ma'am, are you okay? I know that you're here to check in but should we talk? Is everything okay? And she just started out quite a high-pitched voice. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I'm meant to be in Byron. I'm not meant to be here. I should be in Byron. What am I doing here? I don't know Ballina. And she just went on and on, clearly just really quite distressed. Now, in the natural, you're at a hotel. Life's okay. So there was something more going on. So I said to her, here's the thing. Let's get your luggage. I'm going to take you to your room. I'll give you a map. I'll talk to you about Ballina, how you get around, where Byron Bay is, etc., etc. Probably spent an hour with this lady. Took her to her room. Face is covered. I had no idea, with all honesty, who this lady was. This was Friday night. Had the weekend off. Went back to it Monday. My general manager called me to the office. I thought, oh, here we go. She said, Jackie, do you remember Friday night you would have had a check-in with a lady who, who appeared to be quite traumatised? I said, yes, I do. She said, well, she's left you a book and she signed it. And that lady's name was Rosie Batty. And she was a lady who, for most of you, you would remember, experienced the most horrific situation where her son was murdered by her husband. And, you know, I immediately understood that... To arrive at the Ramada in Ballina was not her original plan. And when trauma is part of your history, it can heighten situations. And I had the privilege of speaking to that lady, praying for that lady in her room. I had no idea who she was. She has no idea who I am and life will go on. But you know what? When you start to speak to your bones and when you start to speak to your situation, God opens up opportunities that otherwise would never exist. Don't speak to your present. Speak to your future. So the narrative goes on in Ezekiel. God um, puts sinews on the bones after putting flesh over the bones and even after putting breath in them. Verse 9 says this. Sorry, Adam. And he also said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So he did as he commanded, and breath came upon them, and they lived and stood among them a great army. Don't you just find that weird? We've gone from bones, dismembered, broken, dead, to then he puts sinews, he puts flesh on them, he puts breath in them, but then he still, God goes a step further and he says, now, now prophesy over their breath. I thought, what's going on there? Have, didn't you put breath in them? Here's my take on it. Breath always speaks to me of the Holy Spirit. So God created a miracle and here before Ezekiel we went from dry bones, a valley of death, to now before him stands a great army. And then God says to him, now prophesy breath to the breath. I believe what God was saying is, now pray. I've done the miracle, I've done what I can, I've created a canvas but I need you to co-work with me. I want you to prophesy breath. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that this army that now stands before Ezekiel can fulfill what it was meant to do. Invite the Holy Spirit into that space. You know, that day on the beach last year, that's what God was saying to me. Trust me. Pray. Pray. Prophesy to your dry bones. You know what, God? I, I know the gifts of God that are on my life. I have an idea of what he's called me to do. But to be honest, I don't know all the bits and pieces. Speak to the dry bones. For some of us, we need to speak to our dry bones. And it's, that's not an age thing. 
It's got nothing to do with age. It's got nothing to do with gender. It's about where we're at with God. Where are you today? Can you believe that God can bring back to life the dry bones, the visions that you thought were dead, the words that God has spoken over you that seemingly at this point in time have not come to pass? Maybe you've believed God for years for a partner and it just hasn't happened. Can you believe and will you prophesy? Verse 14 says this, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. This is why God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray so that when those things come to pass, that God receives the glory. That it's not us, that we were in a place where we needed a miracle from God. We, God spoke, we obeyed, and then God performed a miracle. God gets all the glory, and he did what he said he would do. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. God will do what he said he would do. It might look impossible today. It might look absolutely out of the realm. I have three boys, three sons, all adults, that I am believing God for, that they will be back in church with me worshipping Jesus. And some days, let me tell you, it's looking funky. It doesn't quite look the way I want it to look. But you know what? I'm speaking to the future. I'm prophesying over those boys that you will be back in the house of God. You will serve God in the house of God and you will fulfill your destiny. And I don't give a stuff what it looks like in the natural. I'm speaking to the dry bones. As I close, I've got three questions I want to ask you. What are you believing for in 2020? Have you even taken a moment in the busyness of the festive season and asked God, what is it you have for me this year? It's a new season. The canvas is blank. And you and God can make an incredible masterpiece. What are you believing for in 2020? And you know what? Maybe for some, maybe it's just to get to the end and still be okay. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Start speaking to the dry bones. Second thing I want to ask you is, what is God telling you to do in 2020? Maybe you're one of those ones that need to upskill, start a course, get your license, I don't know, make friends, go and visit the lady next door. What is God telling you to do in 2020? So what are you believing for? What is God telling you to do? And thirdly, will you say yes in 2020 and will you do it? I read this story uh, yesterday and I just want to finish with this and then I just want to pray. When I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I tried to change my nation. When I found I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my town. I couldn't change the town, and as an older man, so I tried to change my family. Now as an older man, I realise the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly I realised that if long ago I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family. My family and I could have made an impact on our town. Their impact could have changed the nation and I could have indeed changed the world. What is God saying to you? What, what does that blank canvas look like? Are you speaking to the dry bones? 
my encouragement, I, I want to pray for each and every one of you that as you leave this place, that you will start to prophesy over the dry bones, that you'll start to prophesy over your future, that you won't look at the present. Forget yesterday, it is what it is, it's gone dead and buried. But there's an almighty tomorrow that with you and God and a blank canvas, you can make a masterpiece. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you use all things for good. That, Father, nothing in our journeys is wasted. Father, nothing in our journeys is unfixable. And, Lord, we're so thankful. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is abounding. Your grace is for every day. Your grace, Father, covers everything. Father, I pray for each person in this place this morning. Lord, that as they contemplate their canvas, Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in a language that we would understand? Would you enable us, Father, to hear your voice? And Lord, would you give us the grace to not only believe, but Father, to begin to prophesy, begin to see it the way you see it. Lord, your word tells us that faith cometh by hearing. Lord, as we begin to speak out loud over our dry bones, over our situations, over our circumstances. Father, I pray, let faith grow. Father, let faith grow. Let faith come, Father, and water the seed, I pray. Lord, let 2020 be not just a great year, but, Father, let it be a year where things move and shift in our personal lives, in our circumstances, in our situations. Father, let us look ahead and see an army. Father, as a church community, God, I pray that we, Father, would seek you, God, as to what you would have for us as a church community. What does the canvas look like? Father, give us faith to believe. Help us, God, to see things the way you see them. Father, stir up within us the call of God upon our lives. Father, the things that you've spoken into our hearts years ago, God, stir them up, I pray. Father, stir them up. Let there be a holy restlessness within us, God. Lord, lead us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. This year is going to be a great year. Start to prophesy over your bones. Amen? Amen. If we, Alan and I, or any of the leaders can pray for you this morning, if we can stand with you, we're up for it. We're up to prophesy with you. We're up to shake those bones and get them happening. Amen? Have a great week. And as Kirchie says, in the next seven days, step out, look at wherever you are as a mission field, and God will bring opportunity along. Amen?